The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And I'm your host, Kathleen Malch. On today's podcast, we'd like to share with our listeners something that we've been talking about with our customers and others in the industry about where we see the future of AI taking us. So we talk about and write about this a lot, and we really believe that AI is going to have a significant impact on the way that we work and live and on our society. So today we want to share with you our vision of what we're calling the AI-enabled future. In this podcast, we'll share with you the four main aspects of what this AI-enabled future looks like so that you can understand what trends are moving us closer to where we see this world heading. So to start, one of the things that we see AI impacting immediately, but definitely in the future, is what we're calling the AI-enhanced organization. So businesses and enterprises around the world are using AI to, I guess we're calling, adjust the workforce. There's really no way to sugarcoat it. A lot of what people are looking for AI to do is, in some cases, augment what their existing staff is doing, but in a lot of cases, replace. You know, back in the old history of automation and technology, we've always had adjustments to the workforce and just adjustments to the way that people do work in terms of things that we can now automate that use a lot of human labor. Well, the thing about AI is it's now allowing us to automate and to make more intelligent a lot of these knowledge work activities, a lot of white collar jobs, a lot of things that maybe in the call centers and other places that we've used to have a lot of staff that are necessary for the business organization. A lot of business managers looking at some of the capabilities of AI and really trying to leverage that to adjust and change the way that their staff in the organization. So we definitely believe that the AI enhanced organization of the future will have a workforce that looks very different from the workforce of today. So, you know, in today's workforce, you have a lot of jobs that might be gone, such as, you know, secretaries, front desk people. You might see a reduction in staff, maybe not a total replacement, but a reduction where, you know, you used to have 15 accountants on staff and now you have seven because augmented intelligence helps to replace and enhance your current workers to then get rid of some of them. And we're also seeing that in the case of blue collar jobs, obviously, and especially in the United States, we look at the manufacturing industry. Well, what happened to the manufacturing industry? And people say, oh, all those jobs were shipped overseas because of labor cost. And while that's true for some things, labor cost for building a phone or building something else is not that much higher overseas than is here. A lot of those jobs disappeared because of automation, because of technology, and because just in general, you know, we're not building as many steel rails anymore, and we're not building as many ships, and we're not building as many, you know, things like that. We just don't need as much of that material. So while some of it has to do with labor costs, a lot of it just has to do with technology changing the workforce. Right. And we recently wrote a piece about this, how automation is not intelligence. So we want to be clear here that, you know, for a very long time, technology has replaced human workers. Look at, you know, factory lines where machines have come in and replaced a lot of the human laborers that were putting doors on cars or doing things like that. That is not intelligent. So that's been going on forever. But we do see a shift now where there will be intelligent 
technologies and intelligent tools that actually will be replacing humans. So some of that, and we're seeing some of it now, but some of it could be, you know, journalists. There's AI applications that are now writing news articles and they're analyzing data and then writing it. It was really big around the elections where they were able to take polling numbers and quickly analyze them and then get a piece out. Yeah, I mean, they're even been talking about like industries you would never would think where they would replace workers like stock trading or yeah. finance. You know, like you, you, we have now whole hedge funds that are basically entirely operated by AI. And the only real humans there are the management, the people who are running the organization, determining the overall strategy. But you used to have like whole floors full of analysts that are just taking data and, you know, trying to chop it up and manage it. And they're like, well, we can just put an AI bot in front of all this that can do some of the reasoning tasks. So we couldn't have done this maybe with just data bases, but we do all the reasoning tasks. And of course, we've seen that even in the blue collar jobs, you know, shipping, a lot of the trucking, you know, that's one of the biggest employers, especially here in the United States. Those jobs may all just go away once we have autonomous autonomous vehicles. vehicles. So that's not just the only change the AI enhanced organization. We have two other things that are also highly positive. Three other things. And that is that the first thing is the idea of mass customization and personalization. And that is that an enterprise can really now know a lot about every single one of its customers, about every all of its products, all of its suppliers. So in the past, where an organization was kind of dumb about its customers, even now you can say, well, well, companies know everything about their customers because of databases and all that sort of CRM systems and ERP systems. Yes, but... I wouldn't say dumb. I just would say that they didn't have a full profile. They had a narrow profile. Yeah. And so what we're saying is that what AI enables these companies to do is to truly understand every one of its customers, but also act more personalized for every interaction because they can do that at scale. So I think it's going to have obviously a big impact on any sort of customer service organization. It'll impact health. We should not underestimate the impact that AI will have on the whole healthcare industry. It'll impact insurance. It'll impact finance. It'll impact everything, not just buying stuff online. It'll impact all those things. The other thing for the AI-enhanced organization is that we believe that because of AI and because of the ability for bots and other things to respond, people will just assume there's no closing time (laughs) for a company. I mean, if you're in manufacturing... For certain things, at least. I do think that there are some societal norms and some, you know, societal guidelines that we go on. So maybe... And and we have to see, you know, the pushback that we get and where exactly this will go, because I'm not sure that everybody will be happy, you know, to have 24 hour work hours. Not that a human would be working that, but that the store, you know, you look at their their operating hours and it's like, oh, it's always open. I think right now for online, people assume that, right? Like I can go on a website at 2 a.m. I can go on a website at 3. So they might want support. But things are changing. I mean, like look at Amazon Go. You can have a store that is completely automated. You can walk into this grocery store at 2 o'clock in the morning. Shelves will be stocked by robots. You can. they're not stocked by robots right now. Not right now. So, so the, but, but in the AI enabled future, but it depends on how enabled they want right. to be. And that's where I'm going, where there's some societal norms maybe. where, you know, and maybe you're always going to want a human there because the humans are meant to now be able to really help and engage with the customer. But don't you think Starbucks is thinking about 24 hour Starbucks that are manned by robotic baristas that you can order with your phone? You can walk in, tap and pay and walk out. How far away are we from that actual future? We may be closer than we think. I think we're already starting to see it with e-commerce. This is the societal norm that I'm talking about. Is that what you want when you go to a Starbucks? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I think from where we are trying to craft the vision of the AI enhanced organization in the future, we're like, this is what AI enables. AI enables smart 
interaction with customers without the notion of work hours. So we'll have to see if that future comes to pass. But I think for us, when we're talking about the future, we could say this is something that an AI enables. So it's interesting. I mean, we think it'll have big societal impact when people just assume that, you know, they bought something online on Amazon. It arrived via their truck drone at one o'clock in the morning. They have a problem with it. They want to call up the company at two o'clock in the morning and return it and have it picked up by three o'clock. <laughs> you know, we're not that far away from that future. All right. So that's, that's sort of one big category. The other thing that we think about in the AI enabled future is that AI will basically bring about autonomous everything. So what do we mean by autonomous everything? Like what, what could be, auto- we already know about autonomous vehicles, right? So let me, so let me, there's more. I mean, for example, so like, what if everything can be a robot? We got, you know, you can have lawn mowing robots, you can have brick laying robots, you can have trucks that are robots, you can have cars. I guess the real question is, is like AI basically enables us to build any system that we want to be autonomous. So, you know, what that really means is that I think that we, Kathleen and I talked about this is like in the future, do we think, so we have young kids. Yeah. Do we think that our kids will get driver's licenses and drive cars? Yeah, we do talk about this. And I think that 20 years ago, when you turned 16, it was almost a rite of passage that you got a driver's license, that you either got your own car, you you know, saved up some money, bought your own car, borrowed your parents' car, and you went cruising on a Friday or Saturday night. And that was freedom. And then, you know, technology made that a little different, where I think kids of today, that's not necessarily what they're looking for. They don't have to get Uh in a car to talk to their friends. They're always connected. Uh And now we have Uber and Lyft and other, you know, driving services that doesn't necessarily mean you even have to own a car or that you need a license to get anywhere. So give this another generation, maybe not even a generation, maybe 10 years. And where are we going? So, you know, if my kid has soccer practice and so I have two kids, if they have soccer practice at different locations, mom just can't be two places at once. So do I send a car to Uh go get my girls? And, you know, I'm never there. Nobody's in the car. It's autonomous. Somehow there will be some, you know, thing that my child has and the car has that it reads that it's the right person. It confirms maybe where you want to go and then it sends them on their way home. If there's a problem, if the car breaks down, if something happens, I'm always connected. I know where my kid is. Do you think in the future, if you gave your kids a car, they'll be like, what? I have to drive myself? You know, I don't think we're too far away from that. Like what? At the mow the lawn? I got lawn butt out here. Before it was like, it was like such a privilege to get a car. I could drive a car. Now you're like, not the burden. You're making me drive a car. I have to actually sit there, hold a steering wheel, put my foot on the, at the pay attention. I can't sit here and have a conversation with all my friends in the back. So this leads to... Autonomous gas stations, though, too. Do they have? Well, to... I mean, you're assuming that we're going to still have a fossil fuel future. I mean, it, that it... too. But I, well, if you have electric, I mean, who plugs it in? You hope that the car comes fully charged. Doesn't matter because if your Uber's out of out of gas, you just stop. It pulls up. Another Uber comes up next to you. Switch from one Uber to the other. Or because power. It's not gas. It's because power. in the future, will we even be owning cars? Why will we have to? Will we I even know. have to fill them up? You know, Kathleen, I even talked about this. Will the houses of the future even have garages? Right. Or will they have garages that you think of as a typical garage where it's attached to a driveway? It's normally in the front of the house or somewhere convenient that you can access your house and you can access the road. 
maybe garages of tomorrow are more like a shed where they're in the back of the house and they don't have a driveway because Mm -hmm. we're no longer owning vehicles and we just get them on demand when we need them. Uh Or maybe your garage will basically be the loading dock of the future. If everything is being delivered to you on demand, then maybe the only thing you use your garage for is to dock the, uh, when Amazon's, you know, autonomous van comes in, it comes in, pulls in, your garage automatically opens, right? It comes in, they come in, they drop off their merchandise. Your front door for the delivery. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That makes a hell of a lot more sense, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, it does. I don't know, guys. So it does bring up, there's a lot of societal change. This is not just about technology. This really is about society. So the next thing that we think about here, sort of shifting gears, is that we think that in the future, AI will enhance the whole human experience. And what do we mean by that? So we've already started to see, we actually just had an interview with Taryn Southern about how she was using an AI tool to help her compose and create music. And I've been playing with it and I'm like, oh, wow. So will AI help make me a really awesome musician, a really awesome writer, whatever I want to be? I don't really know poetry. I bet you I can go on right now and find an AI service that'll turn my scratch writing into awesome poetry because it'll make it like, I want poetry like Shakespeare. I want poetry like Yeats. What do I want poetry like? So will the AI... Who owns that? Yeah. Because you didn't create that. Yeah. An AI tool did. I mean, what what do you think? I mean, so in the future, you know, will everything that a human do, will it be augmented with this AI? And so you won't, what's the boundary between human creativity and AI enhanced creativity? So the way I look at this, you know, especially if we take music, for example, I don't think that just because I have an AI tool that can help create music means that I'm suddenly either going to have a great singing voice or I'm going to suddenly be a great composer. But I think that what it does is it allows me access to these tools that I never used to have access to. And it's also, it's very powerful. So we're not talking about, you know, maybe a garage band here where I get access Uh to these tools and then I still put something together. I think that this is more of an augmented intelligence approach where the AI tool can help make suggestions for you and maybe tweak, you know, oh, if you play it in this tune, Uh it sounds a lot better. Or, oh, did you try and put this like, you know, underlying vocal in? Or, oh, did you do this? Uh Or what about putting this instrument in with it? And it can give you these recommendations. But as far as just creating it, that's no longer you. So I think that that doesn't actually make a human more creative or anything. It's just the tool is doing it for you. I see a slippery, slippery. So I clearly agree with you that, especially in the near term, you know, AI is going to help augment and enhance and be sort of our ideal assistant to help us. In the longer term, though, when our kids have kids, it's possible that these AI systems will kind of blur the line of like, what is, I don't say it's going to say make us creatively lazy, but it'll allow us to say, for example, in the future, will there actually be major pop stars that are completely virtual, right? I'm not here to make fun of K-pop or anything like that, but you know, there's a lot of manufacturing going on right now with humans. Oh, just like nothing about it is a human. I mean, all the human is doing is maybe... But then do you not go to concerts anymore? Well, like, the, that's well, what I'm saying. What, but maybe you do. Is concert just online? No, maybe the concert is a whole robotic experience. And maybe the competition is like, you know, so there's a songs learning from other songs, composing from other songs, and they know because of AI, it knows kind of what things are that's really popular. Concert. That's like a competition. Well, concerts are marketing events, right? So I think the question is like, will AI enable a future not only of human creativity, but blurring the lines? We've already started to see this where you can't necessarily even believe what you see and or what hear. you hear. So what's the end point of that? 
This goes back, though, with, I think, what society is willing to accept. You know, what I brought up before. So if people still want, you know, I remember when the Kindle came out and when, you know, all these online and devices came out, people are like, oh, it's going to get rid of printed books. And it didn't because there's something about printed books that people still like. They like feeling the book. Mm -hmm. They like knowing how thick it is. There's something about printed books, printed magazines that people Mm -hmm. just like. And I don't think they're going anywhere. I think that artificial intelligence can change the way that we do things, but it doesn't always replace the way we do things. People might never want to give up going to a concert because they like that human interaction. They like seeing somebody on stage Mm -hmm. performing, playing their own instruments, singing songs that they've written and they're really passionate about that they connect to. So, you know, I don't think that concerts are going to become some robotic competition. Yeah. But I think one of the things that we can both agree on is that AI does enable that kind of future, if that's the direction that we want it to go. The other thing that I want to add here, another point on enhancing the human experience is lots of other things about humans. We are social creatures. We like to interact. The biggest innovation that came out of the internet, you know, maybe 10 years or, or more ago is social networks. And all that social networks are, are basically websites and mobile apps that allow us to just communicate with each other with mostly real... And feel connected, yeah, right? Mo- and, and feel like we're being surrounded right. by other people. So one of the things that AI will do is part of the whole human communication thing is being able to speak. And we have all these different languages. We're already starting to see movements towards universal machine translation. And so AI will enable a future where pretty much anybody can speak any language that they want to. If you want to speak and understand I'm gonna say, Mandarin yeah, Chinese. Understand. Yeah. The artificial intelligence tool might be speaking it, but they can communicate yeah. what they want to say. And then the machine will translate it, will say it how it needs to be said. And then that person will... Mm-hmm you know, reciprocate conversation. So I can be talking to somebody, right, who speaks Japanese or who speaks Russian or who speaks Spanish, and I'm not fluent in those languages and can't have, you know, business conversations Mm -hmm. with them or when I'm traveling. How amazing will that be? Oh, well, I think we're within a generation away from that, right? Uh, We've already spoken to a few vendors on there. And it's sort of as a side reference that I won't mention any of the vendors. But if you're a fan of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you may know, remember something called the Babblefish, which is something you would stick in your ear and it would communicate in every language, including Vogon poetry, which we won't... (laughs) get into right now. But I think that's just part of what we see as the of the AI-enabled future enables these changes and enhancements to the human experience. It's not just the business side. It's not just the robots and things like that. This is just our own experience of what it is to basically be a human. You know, I think that voice on these you know, technologies does need to get better because right now, as a fluent English speaker, I sometimes cannot always understand Alexa or Siri with pronunciations of words. And I think that that could cause, you know, major problems if you're using this to rely on speaking a language you don't understand. Right. So there's a fourth aspect of what we see as the AI enhanced future. And this is really a sword that the AI enabled future. And that is that AI enables the idea of pervasive knowledge. And I want to AI, artificial intelligence, enables the idea of pervasive knowledge. And what we mean by that is that in the past, we had this idea of pervasive connectivity. So for those of you who've been following technology, it was actually a big thing to assume that I can reach anybody at any time with a message. Because 20, even 30 years ago, nobody, very few people had mobile phones. And you couldn't even assume even if they did have a mobile phone that they had it on and, you know, that it was... was People went home for the day. 
They did not take technology with them. That was not a norm, right? I'm sorry. I'm thinking, you know, in the 80s, what did the typical person who worked in an office look like? Very different than today. So they didn't have laptops. They didn't have mobile phones. No internet. Yeah, no internet. So what did they do? I mean, if they were going to do work at home, you had to literally bring home printed out paper that you were going to do. Yeah. Or or if you did have to connect to a system, you were dialing up on a modem. That was very slow. That was all text-based. There wasn't any graphics. So, but now it's not just that we know the technology is there for this idea of pervasive connectivity. It's actually an assumption that, oh, there's a tornado. Let's send out a text message because 90% of the people want to reach are going to get that message. Nobody in the 1980s could have assumed that the best way to tell everybody about a tornado was to send a text message, right? Yeah, that's what the sirens are for, right? Now you play a siren, I bet people have no idea what that is. (laughs) Is it time to, what is that? Snow emergency? (laughs) So what is it? So like people don't even know what it means anymore because culturally, you know, conceptually, we've lost that. So now we just assume... Well, and that's one example, but mm-hmm. I think another example, maybe that's a little bit more relevant. So people still might know what those sirens are, but Amber Alerts. Mm-hmm. How did you get the word out, you know, 20 years ago about Amber Alerts? It had to be on TV, it had to be whatever. Now it goes to your phone. You get to see, you know, that a child's missing. Right. Instantly, you get to see the license plate number. You get to know what car they're driving. You get maybe a name, a brief description of the kid. That's powerful. Right. So what are we talking about here? So that's pervasive connectivity. That's where we are now. Yeah. So what is AI enabling? The idea of pervasive knowledge. What does that mean? In the future, it will be assumed that everybody knows, not only they know everything about everybody, they know where they are, what they're doing, anything, anything you want to know, it's going to be assumed that they know. Yeah. So let's just say in the future, you know, there is like a tornado alert. It'll basically be, hey, Kathleen, I see you're with the kids. You're at the restaurant. What you should do is you should go to this part because it knows everything. So it's just like, oh, what you should do is go downstairs. There's a cellar in the basement. (laughs) Make a right. And that's the perfect place for you to hide out for the tornado. Can you believe that? Nobody can even assume that now. I bet you 20 years from now, people are like, how could they have ever sent tornado warnings? What did they tell people to do? You know, a sirens. Yeah, what, what's that? Survive. They blew a loud noise. <laughs> <laughs> they sent a message that said tornado is coming. They didn't even tell you where to go. How crazy is that? Well, that's what pervasive knowledge means. It means the assumption that everybody knows everything about you. Now, as we said, it's the sword that cuts both ways because. On the one hand, we say people like the idea or they don't like it, but they acknowledge the idea of trading security and convenience for privacy. In the future, I think it's going to be very, very, very hard, if not impossible, to actually maintain privacy. Basically, to be private in the AI-enabled, technology-enabled future means to basically be disconnected from reality. From everything. And you can't live your life. You can't go anywhere. You can't work. You can't transport. You can't buy food. You can't do anything. That, I have to say, is an inevitable part of the future. And so I think part of it is, is that you know people don't like the idea of pervasive surveillance. It's sad but true. People want security and safety at schools. They're at the same time, that you can't have that and not have cameras and not have surveillance. People want to know, well, why didn't you warn me about this a long time ago when you had this information? In a world where AI is storing and saving that information, there's no more excuses. So we have all that. So this is what we call the future of pervasive knowledge. I would say one of the other things about the assumption that there's knowledge everywhere, this pervasive knowledge, is that we're going to demand a lot more of our relationships with businesses and of our relationships with other people, because there's like very few excuses to not have that information. It won't be like, oh, I misshipped you an item. And it's like, that's just inexcusable, right? You're operating in 
the 2000s? What, what's wrong with you? Well, and one thing that when you say this, I think a lot of times you're talking about maybe an online store, but what's going to happen with the traditional brick and mortar store as well? And how are they going to have to change with this AI enabled future? Because I was recently reading an article and it was saying, you know, Amazon, for example, gets to know a lot about you. They get to know what pages you go on. They get to know what items. They get to know what colors you want. But if I go to a store at the mall, they don't get to know that. They don't get to know what clothes I've tried on. They don't get to know what size I'm looking at. They don't get to know what I do and do not like other than what I've bought. So they really are losing a lot of that knowledge Mm -hmm. and a lot of that data. And I'd like to see how they collect that. I don't know. I mean, I don't really know what small business commerce will look like yeah. in the future. And that's not even small business. I mean, I'm talking yeah, about I'm a Gap or an Ann Taylor Toys R Us or an Abercrombie. Yeah. And Toys R Us now is, a, you know, they're liquidating their stores and they're entirely, they're blaming online commerce for that. But like, as we talked about in our assistant enabled commerce podcast, many podcasts ago, that's a genie that's, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. It's just, it's not just that people are like, oh, I can buy stuff online. No, people actually prefer it because if they didn't prefer it, they'd still be shopping at Toys R Us, but they clearly prefer it. So I think they also prefer the price. They prefer all the things you know, that come with it. a lot of things that come all with it. All the things that come I think price though is... It, it, For example, going back to our little Starbucks discussion here, like take labor out of the Starbucks equation. People here, this is the other thing people think about. In the United States, people are arguing for increasing the minimum wage and totally don't disagree with it. I think people should be paid a living wage. I mean, it's hard to live, especially in cities like San Francisco, which are basically pricing or people York, or any or place. Chicago, anywhere. But what happens when there is no wage? When companies are like minimum wage, why should I be hiring anybody? And you have Starbucks baristas that have fought really hard in Seattle for a minimum wage and they're getting a much better minimum wage. But you know, Starbucks is thinking to themselves, wait, I could serve customers 24 hours a day. I could have self-service kiosks. And you know what? My customers will be happier. And I can actually... Re- Maybe. You don't know that. I that's don't an know. assumption. That's, I, I don't, don't know. know. That's an assumption. I'm just telling you, that's this is what the future but enables. This, yes. And I think that this goes back to where my you know society norms and what they demand, where do I go into a Starbucks partially because I like my barista and I want to see her every morning and I want to have a little bit of conversation with her? Do I get my haircut because I like to you know sit down and be treated to a 30-minute haircut? Do I like to go to a masseuse because I like to get you know that personal interaction? for an hour where I can just relax and chill out? Like, do I want a robot massaging me? I'm not sure. So this is sort of our thesis, as we like to call it, this idea of the AI-enabled future. And the reason why we're sharing with you is because it helps us understand a lot of these innovations that are coming out. And it's like, well, are these moving us closer to this AI-enabled future? Are they just sort of side streets on the road towards, you know, the AI-enabled future? The first question we can say, well, how soon do we think any of this vision is going to happen? Nobody really knows. I think from... Go ahead. Nobody knows, but I think that we can make some intelligent assumptions here. And I think that for certain things, it's coming a lot sooner than we realize. Realize. Now, what's soon? To us, I think that five years seems like forever away, but it's soon in my definition yeah. for this. I mean, I've already talked to Kathleen. We both have very young kids, and I'm like, I really cannot see my kids. One's eight, the other one's four. Too much information, but still, <laughs> <laughs> give me that information. And, you know, eight years from now, will he have a car? I just can't even see it. Eight years from now, I'm I don't know. Drive. I still really find it incredibly shocking that children do not want to get a license, but they don't. They don't. And as I said before, they're like, what? Why would I want to drive my own car? And you know, they kind of have a point. I mean, 
People actually talk about how they're worried about autonomous vehicles getting into accidents. I'm like, have you driven on any of these roads recently? <laughs> People are getting into a hell of a lot of accidents. You know, I think in terms of timing, certain things sooner than others. I think the wacky thing about the AI industry is that people talk about how they're worried about the super intelligence. I mean, this is like almost yeah, like one of our yeah. first podcasts. Oh, no, there's gonna be, that's like the last thing to worry about. Of course, like everything else we just talked about. First of all, A, that's a lot sooner to happen than some super intelligent system that's going to decommission the human you know, entity, you know, organism, get rid of us. I don't even give that like a very slim chance of happening at any time within our, any of our lifetimes, anybody hearing this podcast lifetimes, right? But it's much, 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 much more likely for any of the things that we just talked about in this podcast to happen. I mean, I mean, you can even see some of it happening like very soon. Well, and I think that right now, a lot of things are AI enabled that we're not necessarily really understanding that they're AI enabled. Mm-hmm. You know, where I think that Facebook Messenger or, you know, certain chatbots, like I think that they're a lot more AI enabled than we realize and we accept that as the norm. So we already are letting AI tools come into our lives. And, you know, for some of that, the future already is here. Right. And the other thing to think about just as far as our coverage here and what we're thinking about and all that is there is a lot of hype now with AI. So so like peeling back this onion, maybe 26 levels here. And we've been talking about this future here. And a lot of it, a lot of the things we're talking about, there are companies working on that. They're on that road. They are on that path. I mean, definitely a lot of the major technology companies are all innovating that way, whether they're here in the US or they're in China or they're in Russia or anywhere. Else. Everybody's moving us towards that vision. There's a lot of people who are sort of just jumping on the AI bandwagon. They're like, oh, AI is hot. Let me do something. We actually talked about this in our recent newsletter. Let me take my automation tool and pretend that it's AI. Right. And, and you know, it. I get it because AI is hot and, you know, this is another thing that they can do. We're not singling them out. We've seen this across the board. It could be like a PowerPoint presentation with some little AI doohickey on it. Like it's AI PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, come on. I think all of those are interesting side roads that maybe for some people give them some incremental stuff, but that's not what's motoring us down this highway. It's what's really pushing us forward are some of these major innovations that help us think about we need intelligence. So what is intelligence? We talk about this in our newsletter. If you're not getting our newsletter, you should subscribe to our newsletter, the Cognitive Insights newsletter. Uh, we talked about this in detail. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes. But the purpose of intel, what is intelligence versus automation, as Kathleen talked about it earlier? Intelligence are systems need to understand the universe. They need to know how to perceive, like to listen, to hear, to see, to feel, to touch, and to actually understand what it's seeing and understand what it's hearing and understand what it's touching, right? That requires intelligence, right? It needs to be able to make decisions. When do I go left? When do I go right? When do I do this? When do I pick up the phone and say, you're a bad customer? And when do I pick up the phone and say, you're a great customer? You know, when do I decide, you know, how do I decide to make you sound better? How do I decide to translate one word to another word? Those are the things that's intelligence. It's not just putting some voice recognition thing on your car and now saying my car is intelligent because it isn't. So those, when we're covering the future, we're trying to cover the things that are moving us down that path. And for the things that are kind of side roads, say these are interesting, but they're not the things that are going to they're not gonna get us, us to us the to an AI enabled future. future. So, okay. So I think that's all we really have to say on this. I mean, we're going to be writing about this. I think you should really pay attention to our writings. A lot of our writings will kind of re- reference the AI enabled future. There'll be a companion newsletter and maybe a deeper research 
piece. We'll try to put some graphics about it. But we'd like to hear your feedback. I mean, there's some a lot of stuff here that we've said. We'd really, you know, podcast listeners, we really do want you to talk to us. Right. right? So please connect. We give you, you know, opportunities to connect in the show notes. You can always find us on LinkedIn. You can email us because we do really like to hear from you and, you know, get your thoughts on this as well and see, you know, what you think the AI enabled future looks like as well. So with that, listeners, we'll post any concepts and articles discussed in the show notes. And as always, thanks for listening and we'll catch you at the next podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Fiverr.com. Fiverr is a marketplace for creative and digital freelance services. And in fact, I use Fiverr for quite a lot of the things that we do here at Cognolytica and AI Today, including the editing of this podcast, the generation of transcripts, and more. I definitely encourage you to take a look at using Fiverr for your creative and digital needs today. And I have a special offer for you today. Use the promo code AI Today for 15% off your first purchase on Fiverr.com. Offer valid until December 31st, 2018. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright 2018 by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.